This is a Dude Studios production. And hey, I'm the Dude. bartender podcast this is your bartender speaking you can call me the dude or you can call me anthony i'm cool with either one just don't call me tony i hate that how's everybody doing we are getting close to halloween here people and what does that mean uh it means that there are going to be a lot of amateurs out there once again out there getting drunk getting stupid and not to mention probably what what was it the line in was i think it was the movie mean girls where, uh, the night where a woman can dress like a total slut and get away with it. All they need to do is just wear some uh, uh, naughty lingerie and put some kind of animal ears on top of their head and all of a sudden they're a sexy mouse or a sexy kitty or whatever. God bless them for that. Hey, come on, I'm a guy. I gotta. I appreciate things like that. Don't, uh, don't start sending me hate mail about being sexist or anything like that. Come on. There are probably also some guys that probably try to do the same thing, like do this whole sexy cop thing, or uh, uh, try. Well, you know, there was uh, there was a Halloween party where they uh, were at one of the bars that I worked at, where they said you could dress up whatever you want for Halloween, as long as it wasn't something that you could trip on or gets in the way of everything. So uh, one of my bouncers all of a sudden went, "Damn it! That means I can't dress like John Holmes." And I don't know if you guys are old enough to know who John Holmes is. Uh, look him up, some of you. If if you don't mind seeing uh, seeing somebody that's hung down to his knees, uh, go ahead and look him up. So, uh, anyway, back to the way the regular show uh, gets going. We got to start off with a Halloween. Co- I'm going to do a Halloween cocktail today, and I'm going to do a Halloween cocktail on the episode that I'm going to post on Halloween night. Uh, Halloween night, just going to let you know, uh, is the night I'm going to post a whole bunch, or as, as many as I can get, um, stories from other bartenders about their bars being haunted. And I've gotten a few so far, but I want a lot more. So if you know that your bar is haunted or know somebody that works in a bar that they believe is haunted, I want to hear the stories, people. Send them to me, dude at heybartenderpodcast.com, and they will be read on the podcast. And some of the best stories will receive a free Hey Bartender Podcast t-shirt on me. So anyway, keep that in mind. Let's get this show started. As usual, with every show, we got to get started with today's drink special. Uh, this drink special comes off delish.com. Uh, from, uh, it's a drink by, uh, Lena Abraham. She calls it the black magic margarita. And the article reads looking for a creepy Halloween cocktail. Our classic margarita gets an eerie upgrade for the spooky holiday. Your guests won't know what hit them. Have you made these yet? Let us know uh, how it went in the comments below. Ingredients go as follows. Two teaspoons, black sanding sugar. One cup of ice, or two cups of ice, four ounces of silver tequila, two ounces of triple sec, one half ounce of lime juice, red food coloring, blue food coloring, green food coloring, lime slices for garnish. Now, how you make this? You rim two glasses with the limes uh, with a lime slice and dip them into the black sanding sugar. 
Divide tequila, triple sec, and lime juice between two glasses and stir to combine. Add food coloring until the desired black color is achieved. Add ice and garnish with a lime slice before serving. Now, I'm looking at the picture right now on uh, uh, delish.com, and it is a little unnerving uh, that it is the color that it is, but it's uh, a margarita, uh, not blended. I'm going to stress that. Uh, that's look would look really good for the hol- uh for the Halloween holiday. Uh, I didn't want to do anything. Uh, I was looking through a whole bunch of Halloween themed adult beverages, and I didn't want to do anything with like that required a black light or for you to put some kind of prop, possibly toxic, unsafe LED light bulb into the bottom of a glass to get the desired effect. Now you drink something that has black sugar around it that has that's pretty much black uh on what you're drinking because of the small amounts and uh, let me repeat this small amounts of food coloring that you're going to put in the drink it's going to look perfect for the holiday maybe even throw in uh i don't know uh candy corn or something like that i don't know shit so yeah so that uh that was uh the black margar uh, black magic margarita try it out let me know what you think uh email me dude at hey bartender podcast.com okay guys i'm gonna go in a little bit more in depth about this my friends and i used to have know this one guy who was kind of the caretaker of uh uh an old building out in uh where i used to work i'm gonna try to keep some of this a uh, little bit on the down low because I don't want him to get in trouble. I don't want anybody else to get in trouble. So uh, he used to be the caretaker of this uh, building. Uh, he used to wander, uh, used to have to make sure that nobody was uh, robbing the place or uh, destroying the property or something like that because they basically closed it down. And the building used to be an insane asylum. Now, the insane asylum... Uh, became famous because uh, I guess the doctors uh, used to perform experiments on all of the uh, inmates in there, shock therapy uh, and just uh, all sorts of horrible rumors uh, that went along with it. Now uh, we got to know him because he started coming into our bar and cause he was uh looking for women uh, uh when you're i guess when you're working that late at night wandering around in a sane asylum you're gonna uh you're gonna start wanting to look for women but he started we started talking to him we made friends with him and uh he all of a sudden one day offered hey you guys want to go check it out and we thought yeah yeah totally let's go check this uh check this thing out and uh so one night uh, they had already gone without me because I was working another job at the time, but an, another night uh, I was able to go with them because uh, it was my night off, and we started wandering around this insane asylum. And when I talk about insane asylum, it is just what you see in the movies. If you've ever watched One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest or uh, any other type of movie like that, actually One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest was filmed there. That should give away a lot. Uh, it, uh, it's pretty much what you picture an insane asylum to be without the doctors and people in straitjackets because the building was empty. So he would take 
tour groups in there late at night. And because people would constantly be coming out there to want to get scared. They heard the urban legends of the hospital and they wanted to see, you know, what is the deal with this whole sort of uh, whole sort of thing. Now I'm not so, uh, I'm not so sure. Maybe uh, the guy, the caretaker, he seemed like a normal guy, but I think he just used it as a way to get laid. But like I said, one time I was able to go, uh, the first time I was able to go out there with them, uh, I started questioning a few things because one, in order to go out there, everybody felt like that they needed to bring no less than a 12 pack and a, a fifth of something. And, you know, when you're out in that, uh, when you're going out into the middle of wherever uh, and have that much alcohol with only a few people, you know, good things can happen. Bad things can happen. So what? So the first time I go out there, uh, we're all hanging out together and everybody's cracking a beer, having a good time. We're all standing out in the courtyard. And so far, nothing really interesting is happening. And then all of a sudden, uh, the caretaker says, okay, is everybody ready to go take a tour on the inside? And uh, immediately, I see one of my good friends who is better friends with the caretaker than I was uh, go over to his car and uh, pull out a rifle and a pistol. And I was like, what the hell? What's going on? And uh, he said, um, yeah, we're there's a lot of stuff that can happen around here because apparently when they closed down that particular hospital, um, they just opened the doors and just said, get out. Uh, we're closed. We're, there's nothing you can do right now. If you have a ride, cool. If you don't, don't know what to tell you, get the fuck out. And so some rumor has it some of the inmates or patients are hanging out in the forest out behind the hospital. They got nowhere else to go, no family to go to, to speak of, and they're not in their right mind. So uh, I started worrying about what's going to, uh, what's going to happen. I mean, the only thing that I had on me at the time was a little pocket knife. And, but I'm not one of those type of guys that felt like that. I had to be on battle ready constantly. Uh, I was going into unknown territory in the dark, but I didn't feel like I had to be battle ready. So he takes us on the tour. Uh, he shows us everything. He, uh, he shows us the padded cells. He shows and makes sure to point out the uh, knuckle prints all over the walls, all over the ceilings. And uh, then uh, then he takes us over to the morgue and he makes sure to point out if you look inside the morgue drawers, you can see scratch marks. That's kind of the kind of thing that was happening inside that hospital during those times. And I mean, a live body inside a refrigerator. And then later on, he shows us the, elect uh, the electrolysis room. Now, this was a big fucking chair. Most of the equipment was gone, but you got pretty much the idea. You still saw the straps where they uh, uh, strapped their head to the uh, to the top of the chair, their arms down, their legs down. All the uh, electro uh, electronic equipment was pretty much gone, but you got the idea. Then he take you on a tour down the hallways, down all all the cells. Now, not jail cells, but you know, just uh, all white doors with a small window. Uh, so that the doctors could peek in on the patients. We'd wander around there for a little while, and then uh, he'd show us all the really interesting stuff. And then eventually 
uh, we'd end up back in the courtyard and then all of a sudden everybody's popping a beer and they're, they're some people got a little, little scary. You know, the, they had the hairs on their arms standing up a little bit, but to me, nothing really interesting ever really happened. Uh, after a while, uh, one or two trips later, when, uh, we went back damaged by this time, I got myself my, uh, concealed handgun license. Don't give me any shit about it. I, yes, I do have concealed handguns license. I do appreciate firearms. Don't, don't flip me any shit. I'm very safe with them. But this time we've got a whole group, new group of people that are come up to the hospital to check it out because they heard that it was a place to get scared. They heard it was haunted. They heard bad things happen there. So they new group of people. They wanted to be scared. And of course, the caretaker, he was just like, well, sure, I'll take you up there. Uh, no problem. I mean, he had the big ring of keys in his hand. And he invited uh, me and my other buddy who I told you about that went to his truck and got his uh, uh, got his rifle and his pistol. This time when I went up to the hospital, I brought my pistol too. Because like, uh, like he said, there were rumors that every once in a while that uh, the old patients from the hospital would come up and snag people. Yeah, kind of like, uh, I don't know, Reavers in Firefly. If you haven't watched Firefly, we can't be friends. So go watch Firefly because I want you. I want you guys to be friends. So we're going around. We're doing the tour again. The caretaker, you can practically hear the boredom in his voice because he's done it so many times. He and he's you know here's the rubber rooms. Here's no, they're the knuckle prints. Here's the morgue. Check out the scratch marks. And here's the elect, uh, electronic uh, electrotherapy room. And, uh, you know, by this time, you know, everybody was uh, pretty drunk. And, you know, I think one of uh, one of the guys tried to uh, kiss uh, one, of, uh, one of the other girls and she got mad because she's kind of married. And but he decided that he was going to press his luck. I'm not making this stuff up. I know this sounds like an 80s horror movie. But uh, at no point in time does my arm get cut off and I put a chainsaw on it. Evil dead. Ha. The night started out fairly simple, easy. I mean, we were in the gymnasium for a little while. It was just a small area, half court basketball, half uh, basketball court with a flat basketball. And why that got left there, I I don't even know why, but we were all trying to shoot hoops with it. So after a while, we go back into the hospital and wander around a little bit more, show off a few more uh, pretty interesting things. And then all of a sudden, uh, uh, they look down on the ground. And what's on the ground? Red spots. And the caretaker gets down on one knee, looks at it, and he goes, that's blood. And so immediately, alarm bells start going off in his head. And he says, okay. Uh, dude, you and, uh, you and the other guy, you follow the blood that way. I'm taking everybody out to the courtyard. And so he takes everybody out into the courtyard. And the other guy that I was with was being a little bit more on the cautious side. He, uh, he had his hand on his firearm the whole time, ready to pull it whenever, if danger should come up. I really wasn't into that idea. I kept it holstered because I didn't want to accidentally shoot somebody. And, but we followed the blood all over to uh, one end of the hospital came from a broken window. And so we automatically thought, okay, uh, that means that uh, where that blood came from, the person crawled through the window and 
they uh, they got cut on the glass on their way through. So let's follow it the other direction. So we started to follow it all the way to the other side of the hospital into the infirmary where there were still, uh, you know, bed sheets, rags, all that sort of stuff lying around. And we all of a sudden, the blood stopped. The, the person must have grabbed some sheets and then wrapped himself up. And then alarm bells started going off in my head. They were so loud, I don't even know if they were going off in my buddy's head. And said, oh, we got to go. We got to go right now. Because there was somebody hanging around that hospital that we didn't know or where he was at. Or she, you know, let's, uh, it's 2020. Let's be fair here. So we made our way all the way back down the, into the courtyard where everybody had gathered. We took a head count. We told the caretaker what had happened. And he said, okay, yeah, we got to go. I'll come back tomorrow morning see, and see what happened. He came back, uh, I, I heard about it a few days later from my friend, and he said the caretaker, all he found was just the blood and the torn up sheets. There was no other sign that anybody was ever there. And I said, well, that was a close call. And he, uh, he said, yeah, yeah, I agree. Now, the, the worst thing that I ever heard that happened there, I wasn't there for. Uh, it's, this is just uh, hearsay. After my bar shift, there was this girl that asked me to uh, uh, go out to Damish with them. but And I was, yes, truthfully kind of interested in her at the time, but I couldn't go because I had to work the next day. So I heard about this story a little bit later. Apparently, uh, one, of the, one of the girls that was brought on that tour that night, her mother actually worked at that insane, uh, insane asylum back when it was still open. And when she got there, she was automatically feeling shit. She, you know, her skin was crawling, going, oh my God, you know, uh, so many things are happening around here. And uh, she started, you know, getting weird signals and things were popping into her head. And then she insisted that she has to go to one certain room, whatever it was. It's like, I need to go to room 38 B where's 38 B and the caretaker, uh, it was like, well, uh, it's just down the hall. Uh, well upstairs and down the hall, I'll take you there. And I guess she insisted that she had to go into that room. She had to be in there and he's just like, okay, she's trying to beat down the door and he's just, just chill out. Okay. I got the key right here. He opens up the door for her and she goes into the room. She goes, something happened in here. Something horrible happened in here. And for some reason, she decided to start beating on the window to the point where it broke. And she uh, stepped out. And just as about she's about to make a three-story drop, somebody grabs onto her belt, pulls her back, and the caretaker said, okay, no, uh, we are out of here as of right now. This is too much. I uh, talked to the caretaker after I heard this story and I said, you had a little bit of drama over at the asylum. And he goes, yeah, that's the last time as, uh, the time where we found the blood, the time where, and then this new thing where the girl tried to jump out the window. Uh, you know, I can't do these tours anymore because it's, uh, getting too dangerous. And I totally understood. I heard he still gave the occasional tour, but he kept a closer eye on, uh, how people behaved because let's face it. It was just, 
an uncharted haunted house. People wanted to get scared. Who doesn't want to get scared? Especially when your customers in the bar, you know, they sit there and they got a bunch of liquid courage inside them and say, it's close to Halloween. Let's do something exciting. Let's do something fun. And uh, then all of a sudden, all the horror movies start popping into my head where like, uh, none of you guys are virgins, so you're all going to die if anything happens. I mean, he, uh, uh, there was, there was one time where I did go out there with him and all of a sudden we found out that one or two of the, uh, girls that he picked up, uh, the caretaker picked up, uh, were ended up being like 16 years old. And when the bartenders all found out about that, we were like, Oh, hell no, no, no. We got to get out of here right now because if the cops show up for any rhyme or reason, and we are caught with minors that have alcohol, we are going to get our liquor license pulled. So we can't do this. So we immediately just bolted. You, you guys, well, um, my my friend Barb, she was yelling at one girl saying that she sh- she's 16 years old. She shouldn't be out drinking. She, she should be playing with Barbies. And, you know, really trying to tear into this girl for being an underage drinker. And I said nothing. And... Uh, uh, and then we all uh, left and went on our way. But those were probably some of the creepiest moments that I've had during my bartending career. I mean, I've told you about Phil. I uh, How Phil uh, would mess with us from time to time at the bar. But we were always n- nice to Phil. And Phil, as long as I felt like as long as we were nice to Phil and acknowledged his existence, he was nice to us. And every night we leave the bar and say, good night, Phil. And we'd never hear anything back from him, but nothing was disturbed by the time we got back uh, the next morning. Before that, though, Phil would do things to the uh, the owner and manager uh, and like uh, turn music on at weird times or uh, throw stuff across the kitchen. And but he never messed with any of us. I mean, I could, uh, I could totally say that he messed with me because I picked up. Uh, picked up some glassware and one of the glassware dropped and a shard went into my arm. But no, I could write that off as stupidity because I tried to pick up five glasses in one hand and it one slipped. So, you know, Phil was nothing. But the uh, but the nights that, that we were hanging out at the insane asylum, some strange things happened there that could be possible paranormal. Now, this day, uh, the, the hospital is completely gone. Everything about it is gone. The buildings, uh, and any equipment, it's all gone. And they've made put houses on top of it as low income type of places. And, uh, the movie poltergeist pops into my mind. Anybody, anybody at all? Anyway, I'm done trying to scare you guys. So, uh, if you have any good bar, uh, good haunted bar stories that you'd like to share with Hey Bartender Podcast, please, please email me, dude at heybartenderpodcast.com. Put in uh, to the subject line Halloween story or ghost story so I know, uh, I know definitely I need to read it. And it will be read on Halloween night. So uh, it just... Uh, any anything uh i even got a picture from uh, uh from boogie lives of a uh something that was in the background that he doesn't think should have been there and truth being told i've shown it to quite a few people and it's creepy 
So I want to hear your stories. I want to see your pictures and it will be put on social media or I will talk about it on the podcast. So, uh, last call people last call for alcohol before we move on with this Halloween weekend. Uh, just, uh, want to thank you guys for listening and remember uh if you want to check out some hey bartender podcast merchandise go over to www.heybartenderpodcast.com i'm also on facebook and instagram hey bartender podcast on both of them and uh if you want a good cup of coffee to wake yourself up after a crappy night of sleeping because you were thinking about uh something creepy that happened to you at the night before go to bartenderzonecoffee.com you can go check out all their selection of different brews and uh, try to make your morning a little bit better. So until the next time, ladies and gentlemen, uh, be safe. And as usual, lots of love, lots of sex, lots of happiness. And don't take any shit from anyone. Good night. What do you mean it's last call? I just got here.